sent us a Savior because we needed saving. Amen? And Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And uh, for that, we should all be eternally grateful. Man, what a blessing it is to sing praise unto Him. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 2. And we're going to uh, begin again where we left off two weeks ago. How many of you are enjoying this nice Alabama weather? I feel like I have been uh, just roasted today. I walked into my house this evening, and uh, Ellie Grace, my little girl, she said, Daddy, are you mad? And I said, what? Baby, I'm not. What do you mean, why am I mad? No, I'm not mad. She said, well, your face is red. And I said, well, honey, I, I'm not, my face is not red because I'm mad. I'm, my face is red because it's cooked, and I feel like uh, that's exactly what I've, I've uh gotten done to me today just been cooked and so man this hot dry weather is just miserable what right, right now but uh, praise the lord we're gonna make it through we're gonna we're gonna come on through this and god knows exactly what he's doing and in this time uh, we're gonna beat this heat no doubt about it i was talking to a another man that i met today at the gas station a good friend of mine um he uh, he's a cut up and he said uh, man it's hot and it's dry and i said it's bad hot and dry he said it's so hot and dry around my house uh, just last weekend, I caught a mess of fa- a catfish, and it's full of ticks. He said, "That's how, that's how y'all can laugh a little bit now. I mean, if you give me a little encouragement, the jokes will get better. But if not, um, we'll keep on like this. But I tell you, um, it is hot and it is dry. But boy, I'm glad that you have come today to be a part of these uh, these about this Bible study, these services. So please pray for me. I desire your prayers as always. If you hadn't begun praying for these, uh, this Bible study tonight, please begin now. And just ask that God would have his way and God would have his will, that the Lord would fill me up and pour me out and give us all just exactly what we stand in need of. Second Peter chapter number 2, we're going to start there in verse number 10 in just a moment. And we're going to go through verse number 16 tonight. Peter is warning us here in this second chapter, as we have saw in these last two studies that we spent here, um, he's warning us about false prophets, and he tells us plainly that false prophets will be in the church. Now, it was uh, common in Peter's day. We have said before, it's always been common among the people of God for there to be false prophets. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, there was a false prophet. Uh, among God's people that cost all of us. And so um, there was false prophets in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, Peter warns the church that he's writing to of false prophets among them, and the Bible prophesies that there will be or there would be false prophets among us. And so we know there are false prophets uh, in the church today. And I want to tell you something. Um, That should not deter you in any way in following Christ or living out your Christian faith, and you don't need to throw away your Bible because there's false prophets. Uh, And the way I see things, I think that is just further evidence that the Bible is truth. I mean, Jesus said uh, long before the false prophets ever got here that they were going to be here. I want you to keep your place there in, in the book of 2 Peter and turn with me over to Matthew 24, a very familiar, very important verse of Scripture Um, about what Jesus says concerning false prophets. Matthew 24 and verse number 36. Look what it says here. Jesus himself, speaking to his disciples, 
he says that, but of the day and the hour, uh, no man knows. He, he says that, verse 35, um, excuse me, verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. How many of you believe that tonight? We talk about this all the time. We're going to keep talking about it. We can trust in what God's Word says. What Jesus says, what God's Word teaches us is powerful and will stand when the world passes away. Verse 36 tells us, For the day and the hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And you not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also be the, uh, the coming of the Son of Man. There shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken um, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come, but this know, that if the good man of the house had known in what uh, watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. He then is a faithful and wise servant whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, the Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink, and be drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not upon him in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we need to understand, just like Jesus prophesied, um, in the last days, all of these things are going to come to pass. That's something that we should be looking to. He tells us that there's going to be many false prophets that's going to come in his name. Many false prophets that will come um, and lead people astray. He tells us right here in Matthew 24 that many will come and lead the very elect astray. And so just the evidence of false prophets being in the church and among God's people, I believe, lends credence to the validity and the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has said, and what the, the pages of the Bible tell each and every one of us. So just because there's false prophets, just because there's counterfeit Christians, just because there's pseudo-saints, just because there's hypocrites in the church, that should not deter you from following Christ. And I say that because I will I'll never forget years ago, I was talking to a lady about uh, coming to church. We was out visiting and uh, I knocked on her door and asked her to come. And she said, well, preacher, I'll tell you what. She said, I know what you're saying. I've been to church before, but I don't go to church anymore. She said, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. And she began giving me a whole long line of uh, who had done this. And they had done this over here. And this preacher done that. And that deacon done this. And they didn't do this. And, man, she just went on and on about all the hypocrites in the church. And I asked her, I said, sister, I got I to gotta ask you something. I said, do you go to the ball game? She said, well, yeah. Yeah, my grandson plays football. Sometimes I go to the ball game. I said, well, if you go to the ball game, I want you to know you go to the ball game with hypocrites. Amen? I said, do you, do you, go, to, do you go to the grocery store? She said, well, yeah, everybody got to go to the grocery store. I said, well, I want you to know something. You go to the grocery store with hypocrites. 
So if you can go to the ball game with hypocrites, and you can go to the grocery store with hypocrites, just come on to church with the hypocrites. Amen? The truth is, all of us have been hypocritical at one time or another. I need God's grace. You need God's grace. All of us need the mercy and grace of God. Each and every one of us. I, I love uh, one of my favorite preachers is a man by the name of uh, Dr. Kevin Merritt. Brother, Ke brother Kevin Merritt was one of my teachers over at the Bible Institute. I, I love that brother with all my heart. Man, he's been such, a, such an influence in my life. And I'm so thankful for how God has used him and is using him. Brother Kevin Merritt always says there's a measure of hypocrisy in every message we preach. And he's right. There's a, message of, uh, there's a measure of hypocrisy in every message I preach, in every message you preach, in every lesson you teach, whatever the case may be. All of us from time to time are hypocritical in our actions. But now listen to me. You don't need to throw away your Christian faith and throw away your Bible simply because you see hypocrites in the church no more than you would throw away all your money because you've got two counterfeit dollar bills. But what we need to do as the people of God, as the blood-bought, born-again believers in Jesus, what we must do is learn how to spot the false prophet, the pseudo-saint, um, the, uh, the, the counterfeit Christian. We've got to do that. We've got to take a long, hard look at what people say and what people do so that we might guard against false teaching entering into the church. Can you say amen? Now, how many times have I told you the best way to spot that which is false is to do what? By the real thing. Know the truth. Know the truth. If you want to be able to spot the lie, know what's true. If you want to be able to see what's false, Know what truth looks like. And the only way we're ever going to know what truth looks like is if we spend time in God's Word. And I, that's why I'm so thankful that you are here tonight. How important is it that we stay under the preaching and teaching of God's Word? Well, it's vitally important. If we're ever going to be able to spot that which is false, we've got to know what the truth says. How important is it that daily you spend time in the Word of God? It's vitally important. How important is it that you keep your kids plugged in to a local body of believers? It's vitally important because there's false teachers everywhere. Peter says it. We can uh, believe what God's Word says, that if there was false teachers in that day, there is certainly false teachers today. So we've got to learn um, how to spot them. And we talked about that a whole lot. We talked about the source test and the savior test and the subject test and the salvation test and the sanctification test. And I hope that you remember all of those things. Those are things that we need to be looking at uh, when, when trying to spot that which is false. We talked about the dangers of false prophets, but we also talked about the doom of false prophets. Do you remember that? And how that God will one day judge uh, the false prophet? Now, some of you may be like me, and I want God to hurry up and do it. I want God to bring judgment to the false prophet today. I, I, I don't know about you, but I get angry at some of the stuff that I hear being taught and preached um, in evangelical circles today. If, if you want to uh, know what I'm talking about, just turn on your television sometime and listen to some TV preaching. 
Man, it's ridiculous some of the stuff that's being said. And, and what bothers me about that and what should bother you is that they are making a negative impact, a very negative impact on a lost and dying world that's not only impacting those people's lives today, but it's impacting their eternity. See, if they're preaching a false gospel, if they're giving a false message, uh, then people are dying and going to hell believing that which is false. So that's a dangerous thing. And I want, to see, I, just, I want to see God judge them right now. But how many of you know that's not my business? That's God's business. Amen. And, that, and that's not your business. That's God's business. Jesus actually spoke a parable about that. You may remember it. It comes from Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. It's the, it's the parable of the terrors. Now, if you remember, we said that a parable is a, an earthly story, a physical story with a heavenly meaning, a spiritual meaning. And, and so in the parable, the parable of the tares and the wheat, Jesus said there's going to be tares among the wheat. But, but he goes on to say there in Matthew chapter 13 uh, that don't we shouldn't root up those, pull up those tares because if we pull up the tares, we might get some of the wheat as well. We might disrupt those who are truly following Christ. Why? Because we don't know people's hearts. I don't know really where folks are, and you don't either. So we don't have the authority to go into God's field and start tearing up uh, people's lives and, and, and ripping people up thinking they're false prophets. That's not my job. That's not your job. That's God's job. We've got to leave that to him, but I can promise you the day of the false prophet is coming. Judgment is coming to them. He made it plain to us. He said, just like God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, and just like God judged people before the flood, um, that there will be a judgment that will come to the false prophet. Let me tell you what I figured out, too. God deals with his people, his children, on a cash basis. And what I mean by that, God convicts his children. God chastens, corrects those that are his. How many of you have ever endured the chastening of the Lord? You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever endured the convicting power of the Holy Spirit? God's showing you something uh, that breaks your heart, <laughs> changes your mind, and causes you to turn from the way that you're going as a child of God. I've been there many times, and I'm thankful for that because God convicts and God chastens his children now. He deals with us on a cash basis. But when it comes to those who are lost and undone, standing in rejection of Christ as Savior, he deals with them on a credit basis. And what I mean by that, they're stacking up all of this stuff that one day they're going to pay for. And that day's coming. We talked about the danger of the false prophet and the doom of the false prophet. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the direction of the false prophet, or if you prefer, how to spot an apostate. And let me define apostate for you. And Peter's going to give us a really good definition right here in 2 Peter chapter 2. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this to the church, to the believer. And an apostate is a counterfeit Christian, like we said before, a pseudo-saint, a false prophet. An apostate is not someone, um, folks, who's never heard the truth. They've heard the truth. They stand in rejection of the truth and then they come back into the church and try and replace the truth with the lie, with their own error. 
And, and so that's the life of the apostate. That's what an apostate does. And Peter describes them for us, starting in verse number 10. He says, but chiefly, even them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Verse 13. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to write in the daytime, Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Let's pray together and we'll get into this tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. I'm thankful for the truth of your word, Lord. I'm thankful that we can study your truth so that we not, might know what, that which is false. Lord, I'm asking that you give us clear direction uh, through your word tonight, that, Lord, you would speak to me and speak through me. Fill me up and pour me out, Lord, into the lives of these people so that we might all receive just exactly what you have for us. Lord, I can do nothing and I want to do nothing without you. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, by your power, you would move me out of the way and use me. And Lord, show us tonight the direction, the lifestyle um, of the false prophet. Show us how to spot that uh, which is not real. In Jesus' name we do pray and for your sake, amen. The first thing, uh, and I've got three points tonight that I want to give you. The first thing that I want you to see is their proud presumption. Look with me, if you will, down at verse number 10. Peter says it like this. He says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanliness and despise government, presumptuous are they. Now, what's it mean that they're presumptuous? That means that they're prideful. They're prideful in themselves. And where does that pride come from? That pride comes from the fleshly nature. Now let me ask you something, church. When I say uh, the flesh, and when the Bible speaks of the, of the flesh, especially here, what's it speaking of? Is it speaking of the bone and the sinew and the muscle that makes up the human body? Is that what the Bible means by flesh? What, the, the what now? The, the sinful nature of man, absolutely. That nature that came from Adam. How many of you know that we were all born with a sinful nature? We got that from our mother and our father, and they got it from their mother and their father, and, and so on and so forth, all the way back to Papa Adam. And all of us who have a, a Papa Adam have been born with a sinful nature. Now, this prideful presumption that comes from the apostate, that comes from the false teacher, it, it, it comes to them by way of the flesh, that sinful nature that is displeasing to God. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me over to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, describes for us perfectly what the flesh is, what the flesh looks like what the flesh does. 
Romans chapter 8 verse number 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now when he says that the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, he's actually saying that the sinful nature, the flesh, is God's enemy. It's in rebellion to God. It's against God in every way. For it is not subject to the law of the God, neither indeed can be. Now look at verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So these apostates, these false teachers who stand in rejection of the truth, all they have to live by is the sinful nature. Now let me ask you something, child of God. What makes us different, those who have been blood-bought? Those who have been born again, those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. What makes us different from those who operate by the flesh? The Holy Spirit. Now, as a child of God, when did we gain the Holy Spirit? At the moment we trusted in Jesus, the Bible says we were all baptized into one body by one spirit. If you believe that, say amen tonight. And so now, those who have trusted in Christ, listen, you still have that old fleshly nature that we're supposed to be dying to, but you also have a new spirit nature. Listen, you have God the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. The person of Jesus dwells in you in the person of God the Holy Spirit. And now because you have that new spirit nature, you can please God. You've been made alive to spiritual things. That's an amazing truth. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen? God has put himself in you and me as believers. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 2. For the law of the spirit of life, I love this, in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What's he saying? Now because I have the spirit, now because I have this new life in Christ, I am made free from the law of sin and death. Listen to me now. Uh, that, that, that is, uh, is, is, is lived by the flesh. And so it's through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that we as the children of God can die to the flesh, walk in the Spirit, and be pleasing unto the Lord. Now listen to me. The false prophet, those that have stood in rejection of the truth, the counterfeit Christian, the pseudo-saint, like we've said before, they, they've never been born again. They've rejected the truth. Well, if they've never been born again and they stand in rejection of the truth, that means they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have that new nature. All they can do is the works of the flesh. And so the work of the flesh is going to be prideful presumption. Just like Peter says. Pride, as I've told you so many times before, and we're going to keep saying it, is the granddaddy of all sin. Pride always leads to rebellion against God. 
And that's what happens with, with these false teachers. Listen to what Peter says. Go back to 2 Peter chapter number 2. Verse number 10. He says they walk after the flesh or they live after the sinful nature, the flesh, the lust of uncleanness. And watch what he says. And despise government. Now I struggle with this verse. I struggle with this portion of the verse when it says they despise government. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that they don't want to go to civic, civics class or are they against voting in the voting booth when it says they despise government? No. What it's talking about is they despise God's government. They despise God's authority upon their lives. They're prideful in themselves. They've got it figured out. They know the answers. They don't need God. They want to be God of their universe instead of allowing God of the universe to rule their lives. It's prideful presumption where it's, whose root is found in the flesh and the result of this pride means that they're going to despise the authority of God in their life. That's how you're going to spot them. That's how you're going to know them. They're going to walk in pride, despise God's authority. He says in verse number 10 that they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Now, the word dignities there actually means angelic beings in high places. They speak against things they don't know a lot about. That's a very dangerous thing, and we'll see more of that in just a minute. So the first thing that you're going to see about the false prophet, their direction, how they live their lives, how you're going to spot the apostate, is their proud presumption. But also, Peter makes a note of their beastly behavior. Look what it says here. I love this. Verse number 12. He says, but these as natural brute beasts. He didn't say they are natural brute beasts. He says they act like natural brute beast they act like animals now I don't know about you but this is certainly something I see in our world today not only do people act like animals but people will protect animals over protection of human life it's amazing to me do you know that you can be imprisoned in this country for killing a bald eagle? The minimum prison sentence, if you get caught killing a bald eagle, is five years in a federal penitentiary. I want you to think about that. Five years. But we're saying it's okay to murder a baby on its birth date. Just last week, I, me and Brother Scotty was talking about this last Wednesday night after service. Last Wednesday, I went to a, uh, every year I've got my herbicide license, and so every year I have to go with the state to get recertified, and I gotta go to these classes to get uh, all the points that I need uh, to keep my certification. Um, they don't want us killing anything that don't need to be killed, and I certainly don't want to kill anything that don't need to be killed or 
or myself or anybody else. So that's a good thing for us to go. But um, while we were there last week, I, w I went to that class last Wednesday. I learned about the speckled darter. Has anybody ever heard of a speckled darter? A, a speckled darter is a little minnow, about like a shiner minnow, if you, uh, if you are a fisherman or you're with crappie fishing. It's about this big. The speckled darter is on the endangered species list in the state of Alabama. About, I guess, 10 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, I don't, I don't remember the exact dates, but it, it was either when Ivan, Hurricane Ivan came in the Gulf or Hurricane Katrina. One of the big bridges in Mobile was pretty much completely destroyed and had to be rebuilt. And so they came in... Um, and began that project, and somebody found out that in the wetlands around this bridge in Mobile, the speckled darter was living. And so, man, they, they, they have these companies come in with their cranes, start tearing down the old bridge and putting up the new bridge that had been damaged by the hurricane. And, all, and right in the middle of all of this, somebody found out the speckled darter was there and shut the whole project down. Matter of fact, they shut it down for about a month and a half to figure out what was going on with the speckled darter population in Mobile County, in Baldwin County, in Mobile there. Just about six months ago in Atala, there was a drainage ditch that ran in front of a CVS pharmacy. And then right beside the CVS pharmacy, there was a house. And in their driveway pipe of this house, it had gotten stopped up and, and had backed up this drainage ditch in front of CVS. So every time uh, the, the, it would come a good rain, the whole parking lot of CVS would flood. And so people started complaining about it. So the state, the, the uh, highway department goes in and starts ditching out this drainage ditch. And someone found out that this was a habitat for the speckled darter. And so right in the middle of all of that, they shut everything down. I mean, came out, shut the work, work down that was going on, called in the um, federal, what is it, fish and game, whatever that agency is. The, um, uh, anyway, there was three federal agencies that came in to figure out what was going to be done about the speckled darter in Atala, Alabama. Three federal agencies came in to save the speckled darter, a two-inch minnow. And if every one of them that exists right now on the face of the earth was to disappear tonight, it's not going to change one thing. We will go to any length necessary to protect an animal but we're killing babies on their birth date. Does that bother you? Because if it doesn't, it ought to. Now, I'm not against killing animals. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we've got our priorities out of whack. When you act like brute beast, you'll protect the brute beast over mankind 
that God loves above everything else, that he's given dominion in this world. That bothers me. It ought to bother you. Beastly behavior is because of their ignorance. Look what it says in verse number 12. But as natural, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own consumption. The, the Bible says in verse 12 that they speak of things that they don't have understanding of. They're ignorant and it's because of their ignorance um, that they're acting like they're acting. But the Bible don't only say they're ignorant. The Bible also says they're immoral. Look at verse 13. And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to write in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. What's it mean when it says they are, that they pleasure to write in the daytime? They don't even care to wait till it gets dark. Uh, they're, they're ready to strut in their sin in the daytime. Amen? And the Bible says they, lo they lose their shame in, in the book of Titus. And that's exactly what we see among a lot of people who claim to be of the Christian faith. They lose their shame. They become spots that are blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They're ignorant. They're immoral. But I also want you to know they got influence. And this is what scares me. Verse 14 says, Having eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. The, world, the word beguile there in the Greek is the word that means um, uh, to hook, to place a hook before a fish. To beguile the fish with a hook is just what, uh, that, that's what happens with these false teachers that trick these unstable souls. That's what the Bible is saying. They have influence over people. And because they have influence and people listen to this um, false teaching that they're spewing, it's causing people to die and go to hell. It's a very dangerous thing. These who act as brute beasts behave like animal, animals because of their ignorance, because of their immorality. And the bad thing is they got influence. And then he says this. We'll spot them because they've got presumptuous pride and they're also as brute beast, beastly behavior, but then he says, they've got godless greed. Look, look what it says in, in verse number 14, the end of this. Beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Now what's it mean that they've exercised with covetous practices? That means they're, they're greedy. They love money. And they're trained in the way of getting all the money they can get from people that'll give it. I don't know about you, but it makes me sick when I see some of these guys on TV talking about sow your $1,000 seed and God will bless you tenfold. And you've got these people who are unstable souls at home who don't know any better, 
who haven't took time to look for themselves into the Word of God and see what the real thing is so they can spot the false thing. And they're sending their money to these, to these uh, uh, charlatans, these false prophets. And these guys are getting rich at it. it some of the stuff I see is almost like an infomercial. You remember the guy that sold the ShamWow? I mean, this dude was awesome, man. He, he, he sold the ShamWow and he sold the, uh, I can't think of his name, sold the, um, the, the spray that they would uh, spray, you know, to, to waterproof things that had the boat, that they had the screen door in the bottom of it and they, they would spray it with that Flex Seal. They'd spray the Flex Seal, man, and, and, and then take the boat out on the water and it wouldn't leak. I love that dude. And if I listen to him long enough, I'm going to buy something. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Some of these false prophets that I see on television, that dude ain't got nothing on them. They have exercised, they have trained in the art of covetousness. That's what Peter's saying here. That, listen, this is not a new thing. It was happening in Peter's day just like it's happening now. It even happened before Peter's day. He makes a note of it. Listen to what he says. He says then in um, verse number 15, which have forsaken the right way and they're going astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Many of you know Balaam. If you don't know Balaam, I want you to go back this week and, and, and study up about what the Bible says concerning Balaam. You'll find his story in Numbers 22 through Numbers 25. Balaam was a false prophet. The king of Moab knew that the nation of Israel was about to come and, 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 and take over his land. He knew that the God of heaven was with him. He knew that he couldn't overcome the nation of Israel. And so he paid Balaam to curse the nation of Israel. Balaam was a false prophet who would do anything because of his godless greed. And that's what Peter says false prophets are like in his day. And that's certainly what false prophets are like in our day. So we got to be we have to be aware of these things. You've got to always remember to look at why people do what they do. And we'll never know that fully because we don't have um, eyes that can see into a man or woman's heart and know what they're, why they're really doing it. But you can get a good indication when you take a long, close look at what people do and why they do it. So we, we've got to be very, very careful. There's false prophets today just like there were false prophets in Peter's day. And I think this is a good warning for us all. Anybody got any comments or questions this evening? I'm not saying that all of the preachers I see on TV are false prophets. There's absolutely some good ones. Some very good ones that have blessed my heart. I'm so thankful for them. Men like David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, 
I'm talking about some solid men of God who are going to give you the truth of the Word of God. Anything you can ever watch with Adrian Rogers in it, stop, take the time and watch it. That's probably my favorite preacher of all time. There's, there's great radio programs that I want to encourage you to, to listen to. Uh, 101.1 right now out of, uh, out of Birmingham used to be the source um, for daily talk radio is now turned into pretty much preaching all day long. There's some great men of God on there. People like Alistair Begg, John MacArthur, J. Vernon McGee. Great men of God. So it's, it's not all bad. I don't, don't want to make it seem that way tonight. But I, I just it's so important that we be able to spot that which is bad. Because man, it will tear your church apart when you get a hold of something false and, and don't realize what you got a hold of. It'll tear you apart. And uh, it's a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. So I'm glad Peter gave us these warnings. Anybody got any, anything else? Any prayer requests this evening? Any other than spoken tonight? Amen. Yes, ma'am. We'll pray for them. Anyone else? Yes, absolutely. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. We'll sure do it. Anyone else? I spoke with Pastor Anyet this week a little bit, and um, and Brother Sean as well. And we're we're looking at probably going to Cuba to purchase the property for the church there, uh, the end of October, first of November. So uh, be much in prayer for that, that the Lord would um, give us traveling mercies and also bless what um, is happening down there, man. Lord is doing a great work, and I want him to bless this new church that's going to uh, uh, finally have a place to meet, and um, so glad that we're able to be a part of that. It's exciting to see what God is doing among uh, his people here and there, and that just blesses my soul. So please pray for Pastor Titus and that new church. They don't have a, a church name yet, but the pastor of the church is Pastor Titus, and call him out by name when you pray. Let's just pray that the Lord would... Um, will do the work that only he can do, continue the work that he's already doing. So um, pray for that. Also remember um, my mother and father. They've been under the weather for the last week and a half. Just ain't been feeling well at all. So pray for them when you pray. Anything else? Every morning at 9 o'clock, what do we do? We pray one for another. The, your brothers and sisters that you see Wednesday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night, what I love doing, and I want you to try this as well, at 9 o'clock when you start praying, visualize where people see it. And just go down the road and pray for them. You know, down this side, down that side, just pray that God would, would move in their life. I'm telling you something. The scripture says we have not because we ask not. 
God's ready to answer prayer. God's willing to answer prayer. Lord willing, we're going to be talking about prayer Sunday mornings. And it's exciting to see just how powerful prayer is. Um, when God's people pray, the power of God is released upon your situation. So pray one for another. And um, let's see what God can do. Let's trust Him. Anything else? Guys, remember Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Um, we'll have our men's meeting here at the church. That's always a good time. I enjoy spending time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, what we're going to do Sunday morning is just uh, uh, join as the men of God. See what God's word says for us. Man, that's powerful. Powerful. So uh, that'll start at 8 o'clock Sunday morning. Anything else? If not, Brother Ben Harris, dismiss us, please.